Hello and welcome to Not Another Witch Podcast. I'm Vicky, aka the Aphrodisian Witch, and today we're going to be talking about offerings. Especially if you have not even necessarily worked or worshipped a deity. If you've just been around in the witchcraft spheres, you probably see people talking about offerings. And one of the biggest questions that I get around deity work is focused around offerings, what to give, how to dispose of them, how long to leave them on your altar or leave them for a particular spirit or deity or entity. And I do feel like with (laughs) a lot of magical stuff, people do overcomplicate it. And it's always key to keep in mind that there is no set rule in stone. People will have their own rules that they themselves follow, but there is no 100% consensus on what you should do with your offerings or how you should give your offerings or anything like that. So full disclaimer, this is literally just my take and I encourage you to form your own take. What feels good for you? How do you feel about disposing of offerings in a particular way? When do you feel is the right time to take them off the altar? All that sort of stuff. I encourage you to, sure, listen to what I've got to say about it. If you want, you are a free person. You have free will. And then think, okay, that's Vicky's take. What's my take? Have a look for any other witchy content creators or podcasters or whoever who are talking about offerings and see what they do with that. It may be that the way that they approach offering work actually aligns way better with you and your practice than mine does. So as always, make it your own and have your own take on how to approach this particular part of your spiritual practice. So especially for pagan folks within the witchcraft scene who do deity work or deity worship or even stuff like ancestral worship or ancestral work or work with the spirits of the land or essentially any entity work, that's really what we're talking about. Not even necessarily deities, but any entity work whatsoever. There are a few ways that we can approach offerings. So on one hand, and this is very much me with my Aphrodite devotional hat on, I do believe that in some ways offerings are like gifts. It's like having a friend who knows what your favorite items are and will buy you something nice. So in one sense, I feel like if we're speaking in a completely devotional sense, like the offerings on my Aphrodite altar are offerings for Aphrodite to express my love and gratitude. There's not necessarily a energy exchange going on, which is another way that you can approach offerings. And this is sometimes, you know, if you ever read in like spell works or ritual guides or anything like that, you may petition a deity or an entity and then give an offering as an energy exchange. If we apply the sort of animist perspective to witchcraft, which a lot of people do, our offerings have energy. They have life in and of themselves. So when we are petitioning a deity or an entity to support us, to bring more of their qualities into our life, anything like that, we are giving an offering as an energy exchange. Now, this is all to say that I truly believe that before you give offerings as energy exchanges, you should get to know that deity. 
I feel. Even if it's not in a devotee sense or anything like that. But I very much approach, and I think I probably spoke about this in the deity work episode. I very much approach deity work as thinking about if we were to apply the very same things to human connections. So if someone was a total stranger and just knocked on your door and was like, hey, um, I need you to do this thing for me. And here's an apple. You'd be like, I don't know you. <laughs> I don't want your apple. <laughs> so I do feel like even if it's just a little tarot check-in or just setting up a little temporary altar before you actually ask them to support you, I think that's a big part of it. So if you are thinking about giving offerings purely as energy exchangers, I encourage you to perhaps even start from the position of giving offerings just as gifts and as gratitude and not necessarily asking for anything in return. If we look at a lot of historical stories or say, for example, like the Greek myths, we see continually sacrifices being made to the gods. Now, say, for example, in like the Iliad, we see them like slaughtering like a cow and, you know, saving, I think it's the fat, I want to say, and burning that for the gods. So traditionally, a lot of these offerings would have been animals or blood or a particular sacrifice. Obviously, most people now um, maybe don't want to slaughter a baby cow (laughs) over the altar, kind of messy. Plus, you know, uh, I'm vegan. (laughs) And yeah, maybe not exactly uh, the best offering for me to consider to give. But regardless of what we're actually giving as an offering, the baseline of gratitude and love and worship in some cases is carried through when we present offerings. It is a token of our gratitude. It's a thank you. And if we kind of continue on the whole like energy theme, I truly do believe that offerings, energy are absorbed by our deities or by the entities that we are offering them to. After that energy sits on the altar and it's been absorbed by that particular deity, that item is essentially like a hollow shell of itself. So if you put an apple on the altar and, you know, maybe you leave it there for a week or two, maybe it just starts to go a little bit like brown or a little bit soft and you're like, okay, it's time to get it out. Don't, you know, some people say, is it disrespectful? And I very much believe like the energy has been taken by that particular deity. The physical thing of that particular offering is now starting to wither. It's just an empty shell. The actual energy has been taken by that deity. This is very much just a personal theory. (laughs) Um, So do keep that in mind. When most people think of offerings, they think of physical offerings. Um, You know, traditionally stuff like wine or sacred herbs or fruit is a very common one. Sweet cakes, honey, anything like that. You know, especially if you're doing work with a more common deity, you will be able to find what is typically given as offerings. These are usually sacred items to that particular deity. Say, for example, with Aphrodite, roses are frequently given as offerings to Aphrodite and roses are one of her sacred symbols. Apples, she is linked to the myth of the golden apple. So apples are very, very linked with her. Seashells, obviously she is a goddess of the sea. So of course seashells and ocean-themed ocean water would be linked to her particular energy. Aphrodite in particular is linked with incense and her altars, especially in myths and historical accounts, are always described as being sweet smelling and having incense burning and sacred resins and I just think it would be absolutely amazing to actually 
smell <laughs> an Aphrodite altar. So obviously all of those things are tangible offerings. And that is one kind of offering that we can give, a physical offering. This might be something that is compostable, like an apple or some fresh herbs or flowers that will at some point wither and die. Other things may be something like seashells, which are fixed and not going to be going anywhere. So we kind of have a couple of different ways that we can actually approach physical offerings themselves. There may be offerings that you put on the altar, like a seashell, that just stay there forever. Or you may say that when this shell is on the altar, it is an offering. It could also just be used as like a token of Aphrodite. Like that might be another way that you want to approach it. It may be that you view even these fixed offering items as still having expendable energy. And therefore, once it's on the altar for two, three, four weeks, it's time to go bury it somewhere or go return it back to the beach or return it to the water or whatever you want to do. So obviously, I think most people jump to physical offerings, what they can put on the altar, food, drink, all that sort of stuff. Other offerings that we can consider are intangible offerings. This could be something like poems, prayers, dancing, singing, something like that, that we do in that particular moment that doesn't necessarily have anything tangible that we can look at visually or hold on to or anything like that. These offerings can sometimes be even more heartfelt than physical ones. If we take the time to craft a prayer to our particular deity and we sit and we say that prayer out loud with emotion and feeling and devotion and magic and all that good stuff, I truly believe that our deities will probably appreciate that than us just going to the shop and grabbing an apple on the shelf and not really thinking about it. Or just going to the shop, grabbing a bouquet of roses and dumping them in some water on the altar and that's it. I do believe that even the act of giving offerings is magic in and of itself. So you've got intangible offerings, stuff that you can't really hold. And then another way that we could also approach offerings is what I like to call active offering. So this could be something like doing a particular activity as an offering to a deity, as a means to connect to them, as a means to show your gratitude. So say, for example, if you were like worshipping Aries, you may say, do you know what? As a devotional activity, I'm going to do this particular exercise and I'm going to do it once a week or once a month or however often that you want to do it. Even if you want to just leave that open-ended, I will try and do it as often as I can. Whenever I do it, this activity is dedicated as an offering to my particular deity. I truly do believe that deities do not only want us just to think of them, they want us to bring their presence into our lives. They want us to embody the qualities that they bring into the world. They want us to embody their energy. So of course, doing particular activities as offerings, especially those that are linked with them, would be considered something sacred and welcome. And similarly, you know, even something like I personally will give money to mutual aid causes as an offering to Aphrodite. I will focus on causes that are linked with sex workers or trans people or women and femmes because those are the people that are linked with her. If you were working with Hephaestus, you may want to pledge a particular amount of money to mutual aid for disabled community members. And you don't necessarily have to have money to do this because there are other resources that you can give. You can give time. 
You can give energy. You can give attention. And I think another thing to keep in mind, and this is probably more relevant to physical offerings, is the importance of unverified personal gnosis. You'll see this online, UPG. And what that essentially means is information about a particular deity that is not necessarily quote unquote canon. (laughs) Now this doesn't mean, you know, completely flipping what that deity is actually linked with on its head. It's more so that you may have a particular connection to a deity for a particular reason, or you may use a particular herb in relation to a deity that on paper and in a formal sense, that herb is not linked to that deity. And sometimes I feel, especially with folks who are just beginning their deity journey or just beginning their witchcraft journey, they can get really in their feelings and almost in imposter syndrome about potentially feeling these pulls towards unverified personal gnosis, but because it's not in a book or in a myth or they can't find somebody else agreeing with that information or validating it, that they just discredit it altogether. And if this is you, I encourage you to lean into that unverified personal gnosis. I truly do believe that when we feel a particular pull for a deity to work with a particular thing or to give a particular offering, which might actually be completely different to what their traditional offerings are, if you are getting that pull, do it. Because the people that matter the most in your connection to a deity is not the people on the internet who are validating what you're saying or who are giving you a thumbs up or a gold star of, yes, you've understood this correctly. The most important people in your connection with a deity or an entity or your ancestors is you and that entity. So if that particular entity or that particular ancestor or guide or spirit is saying, hey, I know that usually, um, you know, it's traditional to give pomegranates, but I'm actually kind of feeling peaches. (laughs) That's okay do it. And sometimes you will do this and that will be the only time that you ever do it. And that's okay. But please do not discredit unverified personal gnosis because it's not verified by others or it's not in a particular primer. It's not in a book. You can't find a handy little graphic on Instagram that says, yes, this is an, this is an offering to give to this particular deity. Do not discredit that stuff because your unique connection to this deity or this entity of the spirit will be there for a reason. They will be calling to you for a specific reason. They will be calling and saying, this is what I want. This is what you should link me with for a specific reason. There is nothing wrong (laughs) with saying, in a traditional sense, this deity is not linked with XYZ. Or in a traditional sense, this is really not an offering that you would give this deity. But for my particular connection, I feel really passionate about giving this deity this particular offering or linking them with this particular energy. As long as you're not pretending that it is like verified information and that it's canon, it's okay. It doesn't make it any less valid. It doesn't make it any less real. It doesn't make it any less unique because your connection to that particular deity or entity is completely unique in its own right. One of the biggest questions that I get asked about offerings is how long do I leave them on the altar? If they go bad, does that mean it's rejected? And like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, there is no right answer. Some folks will literally just leave offerings like overnight. They might do a spell work, leave it for like 24 hours and then dispose of it. Me, I, depending on what I'm actually giving as an offering. So say for example, roses, you know, they only get a couple of days on the altar. Unless I get really good quality ones and then they seem to last for weeks. 
But unfortunately, I can't afford good quality ones all the time. So, say for example, roses, as soon as they start dropping their petals, they're getting off the altar because they're dying, that they've finished their sort of cycle. There might be other things like dried herbs that obviously won't necessarily go bad on the altar. I might leave these on for maybe even like two or three weeks or until I feel pulled to refresh the altar or to change the offerings or anything like that. But I very much feel like my offerings, giving them and also disposing of them is kind of like an ongoing thing. I don't necessarily have a set, like once a week I clear all the offerings out because I might have some offerings that are fixed that won't necessarily be going anywhere. There may be some that have extremely short lives. There may be some which can stay on there for a couple of weeks and then they'll go bad. If anything goes moldy on my altar or it starts to kind of go a bit sad looking, I will take it off. I really don't feel like having moldy stuff on an altar is particularly good energetically and probably won't make that entity or deity feel particularly welcome in that space. Same thing as if you went into someone's room and they had like moldy food everywhere. You wouldn't be like, I wanna stay in here. You'd be like, this is gross, (laughs) I wanna go. So same thing for an altar. All of this is to say though, sometimes you don't even realize. I had a pumpkin on my altar that on like the face of the pumpkin, like on the top, it looked gray. And then actually it was only when I moved it one day that I realized that basically the bottom had kind of gone a bit like soft and it was really gross. And I was like, okay, that's gotta go off. Now, say for example, if you put a perfectly good apple on an altar and then the next day you came back and the apple was like covered in mold. To me, I'd be like, oh, okay, this offering was not well received. However, I don't really see this happening super often. It's never happened to me. And I would still be maybe more inclined to go for a mundane reason. Like maybe actually there was a brown spot or a bit of mold on it that you didn't notice. However, if you are really sure that this was like a perfectly good apple and then it was super moldy the next day, that is definitely something to take note of. Sometimes you will put offerings on an altar and you will feel almost like an energy recoil or like a, "Mm, no thanks. I've had this a couple of times with Aphrodite, where I've put things on her altar that I have felt kind of a, no thank you, (laughs) I'd prefer something else. And in those cases, I usually just go for an offering then that I know will always be well received, something like a rose or rose petals or lavender or incense or anything like that. But again, you may never feel that energy recoil. And if that's the case, just keep on doing what you're doing. So to answer the question of how long to leave stuff on your altar, it depends. Some people very much feel like almost as soon as the energy is put on that altar, it's been absorbed by that deity. Other people may feel like actually it needs to be there for a little bit. It needs to be there for half a lunar cycle or a whole lunar cycle or anything like that. So I encourage you to just pay attention to when you're feeling that pull to take offerings off of your altar. And something as well, which I probably should have said (laughs) before diving into like removing offerings is that I think it's really key when we are giving these offerings, when we are putting them on the altar or putting them on the land to state that they are an offering. This is an offering for you. Here is a gift for you. Please take this offering X, Y, Z. If you are offering as an energy exchange, then you need to say that. This could be out loud. It could be written down in a petition, but I encourage you to in some way either speak it aloud or write it. Put it into the world, put it into creation what this actual offering is for. Now, some people might like consecrate offerings by putting a particular oil on them or by visualizing them or by blessing them in a particular way. 
I very much just state, drop it on the altar, see ya. And then I very much feel like when it goes a bit bad or perhaps even just the energy just doesn't feel new anymore, if that makes sense. I think it was Q Dang who said that they remove offerings when they don't feel shiny. Like when your eyes aren't drawn. And Q, if you're listening to this and this is you did not say this, please let me know. But I'm pretty sure it was you. Yeah, if, if your eyes aren't like going to them and you don't kind of notice them, you know, like when things kind of fade into the background and you don't necessarily see them as an individual object, that's a good time to refresh them. And I was like, I love that. So that might be what you wanna use as your sort of litmus test is, am I actually feeling pulled to these offerings? Am I noticing these offerings on the altar? Or perhaps they sort of just fading into your field of vision rather than actually drawing your attention and pulling your eye. And finally, okay, you've decided that your altar offerings need to be refreshed. What do you actually do with them afterwards? So in a traditional sense, if we wanna go quote unquote old school, I don't know how old school this is, But leaving offerings at a crossroads is a very traditional way to dispose of things. And not even just offerings, like if you want to dispose of a particular spell or you want to dispose of spell ingredients or remains, somewhere at a crossroads is where you want to go. But also, I I don't know many crossroads. So for a modern witch, a junction or an intersection, like a garbage or a trash can at an intersection or a junction works great. But also, um... Sometimes I'm just not fussy about where I put it. I very much feel like throwing something away as waste, whether that's in your food recycling, in your household, rubbish or garbage, whether that is at a public bin or anything like that. I feel that in and of itself is pretty symbolic that like, okay, this is finished. If it's something like incense ash, or something that you could flush down your toilet. That's another great way that I love to dispose of offerings, but obviously be careful about your plumbing. Uh, Do not come and sue me. Um, Really only do this for stuff like powders and stuff which isn't necessarily gonna clog up any pipes. But I mean, if you're sort of like, well, I kind of just wanna throw it away, just do that. I really don't believe that any offering is gonna be spoiled or made not sacred or rejected after the energy has been taken when you dispose of it because you disposed of it somewhere that isn't traditional. I really don't feel like that's the way that it works. I feel like the gods have absorbed the the energy of that particular offering and that's done. It's like they've eaten it and that's it. So a lot of people stress about disposing of offerings and I really don't think there's a need to. Just get rid of them. Just get rid of them in whatever way actually feels good. And a lot of folks as well, I think, feel possibly wasteful if you've like bought all this fruit and now it's just gonna go. So obviously, if say, for example, you wanna use a bit of that offering after it's been kind of accepted and absorbed on the altar, like you wanna dry a bit of that orange peel and use it for incense, do it. That's totally fine. It's also quite common, especially if it's something like you're offering up a meal or food, for folks to consume the offering. Because especially for stuff like ancestral work, what better use of that particular energy than actually nourishing your body? So this may be something like you leave something on the altar overnight covered, and then the next day you are able to eat it yourself. That's also fine. And I also love as well giving offerings, and then also having that while I actually have it on the altar and eating a portion myself. 
So if you make like a delicious cake for your ancestors or for your deities or your guides and you put it on your altar, why not enjoy a slice yourself as well? Literally like you're catching up with a friend over coffee, over having a nice little chit chat and just allow yourself to connect with that energy whilst also giving gratitude and giving this gift of this particular food or meal that you've created. Another thing that I want folks to keep in mind And maybe the only thing, if you take one thing away from this whole podcast episode, it's this. The gods do not want you to go into debt for offerings. (laughs) Offerings are very much what you have. The gods understand if you're broke and you're like, I literally cannot spend money on a bouquet of roses when I can't even pay my bills. It's about what you can give. Even if that is just a glass of fresh water, even if that is just a prayer, even if that's just a poem, even if that's just a breath, even if that's just an orgasm, it can be anything. Even if it's just bringing more of that energy into your life and being like, I'm going to move through today with that deity in mind. Obviously, I'm going to keep relating it back to Aphrodite because slightly biased. But say, for example, for me, that would be As an offering, I am going to try and exude love and kindness to literally anyone that I come across, unless they try me, and then maybe not. But your offerings should not break the bank, and it's about giving what you can. If you only have a small bowl of rice or pasta, and that's literally all that you can give, just give them a couple of bits of rice or a couple of bits of pasta, like that's it. You don't have to give them the whole bowl. You don't have to clear out your cupboards. The gods understand. They are never going to demand more of you than you can give. And obviously, I'm sure this doesn't need to be said, but I'm sure maybe someone needs to hear this. For God's sake, for the God's sake, please feed yourself and your family and your pets before giving offerings. Please, you are no good to anyone if you are not nourished and not supported by the very bounty that this world has. Your ancestors, your guides, your deities do not want to see you struggle. That does no one any good. So please look after yourself before you start giving over everything to your guides and deities. So I hope that this episode was helpful in perhaps answering some of your questions about offerings because I know that a lot of people do have a lot of questions so I hope this was helpful as always if you enjoyed the podcast please rate it like follow subscribe do all the stuff and yeah if you enjoyed it let me know if it was helpful let me know and yeah I'll speak to you soon see ya everyone bye